Okay, perfect. <laughs> Is it on sound? Sounds off? Yeah, absolutely. Always. 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 My background's in theater, man. Like my my absolutely. I am afraid I'm gonna be that guy. Always. That your phone theater. just goes off? Yeah. Uh, audience anywhere. I'm afraid I'm gonna be that guy because I'm gonna forget, so it's always off. Uh, uh, and with that, welcome to the Patty G Show, everybody. <laughs> I am your host, Patty G, here with Will Berrios of Tatro Toys. Ta- so close. Tatro. Tatro Toys. Tatro Toys. Thank you. Which, Will has a very cool backstory. We've only been talking for the last few minutes, and Carl and I are already so invested in his life history, <laughs> and more importantly, the theory behind why the phone is always on silent. But we will get to that eventually throughout this course of the episode. Yes. So, Will, thank you so very much for yeah. coming on the show. Really appreciate it, yeah. man. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. So, for those that aren't aware, aka myself, for whatever reason, what is Tatro Toys and what do you do? So, Tatro Toys in full is Tatro Hand-Built Magnetic Toys. Okay. Um, and it all started from a, uh, a playset that I created for myself when I was a little kid, when I was about 10 years old. I was a creative kid. I was very imaginative. And, you know, I was also adopted and an only child, so... I had to find things to do. I didn't yeah. have a sibling to, you know, to bug or to, to play with or to annoy, I guess. Um, so I got this cardboard box, and I started building stuff out of the box. I put a floor in. I put magnets, uh, beads on magnets. I put magnets underneath the floor of the playset. I started running them around. And then I realized, oh, like these, these characters are coming to life. And then I could build scenes for them. And then I could like paint stuff and craft and draw and color. And I did that until I was about maybe 19. And every year I would redo the little playset, and it would get better and better and better, obviously, as I matured. Right. Um, I would hope. Otherwise, we'd be going yeah, the wrong direction. <laughs> course, I don't know how we got to where we are now. That's right. Um, but yeah, it, keep mat- it kept maturing with me, and um, I just loved the idea of this playset. So um, I moved to New York when I was uh, 19, 2003, and then I was there for 10 years, moved to L.A. for two, and then I still had this itch of this toy. This thing that was in my mind. And at the time, I didn't know it was a toy. I just knew that it was a really random, weird thing I did as a child. Yeah, with magnets of all things. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. And so I, um, I, I just thought about the idea. I was kind of considering where I was in my life. And I spent three months looking at career books and passion books. And they all said the exact same thing. They all said, what did you do as a child that you would continue to do today if no one told you to stop? That's a great question to right? ask. Yeah. Maybe. If anybody if anybody is job hunting right now, which probably a lot of people are, <laughs> this is a great question to ask yourself to find really what your passion is. What did you do as a child that you would continue doing today if no one told you to stop? I think I might steal that and add Absolutely. that as a question lineup in the Patty G show. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's that'd be like one of the end closer to the end questions. Maybe we'll start at the beginning. Maybe that'd be the first question we ask. Is what would you do <laughs> to today? Or, 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 I'm sorry, rephrase the, the lines with what they're currently doing. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. What would you do as a kid today if nobody stopped you from doing that? If somebody's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, well, what did you do today? I'm a lawyer. Okay. What did you do when you were a little kid? I don't know. <laughs> I click butterflies. <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> But it's, it's kind of true, right? Yeah. Like, if you think about it, you know, play, I'm also a certified play expert, which means that I can go into communities and talk about um, child development and, and the, the benefits of play uh, through childhood. And it's, you know, play is a, a space where you are innately you. Right. And especially as a kid, when you don't have a lot of, um, uh, you know, society's, uh, you know, structure around you or... Uh, press upon you as much as it is as an adult, um, you are doing more of those things that really are who you are 
So, um, you know, I think that's so important. And, and I guess that's what I recognized is that that's what I did as a kid. And I, I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. And I went to a hobbyist convention in Las Vegas. And I was okay. like, oh, this could be like a hobbyist thing. They could build stuff. And like, you know, I could see like tons of people just tinkering with this. And then I went and no offense to by the hobbyist community <laughs> at all. But the age was was much, much older than I was. And okay. the what, inter- what, were the, what were the ages? I would. So uh, they're a rough they're, estimation. So I would say there were probably maybe 40 people there. The average age was probably about 60 or 70. And I made best friends with the girl who's the same age as me. We both sat at the same table. So okay. fortunately, that that happened. But I realized that the energy that I had for the toy wasn't necessarily there. And that's when I realized it's it is a toy. Mm-hmm. And I found the toy industry, and that's when I was like, "Oh, these are my people," you know, <laughs> right? So, and I think that's finding that that community or that yeah. that that sort of people that you just instantly click. It's yeah. almost like a no brainer. It's almost you hit yourself in the forehead and say, "Duh," yeah. you know, why what why wasn't I doing this beforehand? Yeah. Well, my my background is in is in the arts. Okay. So you know, when I walked into one of my first conventions in the toy industry. Um, I was like, these people are amazing. Like they're they're outgoing, they're passionate, they're um, a lot of them started in the garage. You know the famous mm-hmm. stories of starting the garage. Um, they have these massive toy companies that everybody knows of. That they're like some of them are still like five people teams, and they're still just making this happen. It's like a family yeah. grown um, kind of business, and it's really just it's fascinating. But it's it's that sense of community, that yeah. sense of togetherness. That hey, let's build this product, or let's build this item yeah. that people are going to bring into their homes mm-hmm. and their children are going to grow up with it. You know, the most impressionable individuals <laughs> are going to use this device or this item for essentially their development almost. Yeah. I mean, when you, what, what, what kind of toys, and I'm no expert by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. Let me just lay that out there. Yeah. When it comes to kids, I'm no expert at all. But I would imagine or I would, I would think that the toys that kids play with and use when they're little kind of shape and develop them as older adults. Absolutely. I you mean, know? everything you're doing in play, whether it's a child playing outside or whether it's a child playing with a block toy, there are so many things that go into it from um, tactile development to social development if they're playing with other kids um, that really can affect the way a child develops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's, it's funny because I think what I love about the toy industry so much is that you learn when you play, but you're not given the message. Right, you're not sit, you're, right. you're not saying as a toy industry like this is what you're going to learn and this is how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. We say here's this really cool toy that's super fun, and you're going to create this world around it, right? Whatever you want it to be, right? That's and that's with like any I guess kind of building toy in mm-hmm. particular. You get uh, a kit, mm-hmm. and they say here's how to make this specific kit. But like when I was growing up, my brothers and I we were just into Legos, yeah. And it was three of us, and so we were all always just building things with Legos. Yeah. And from an early age, we would buy the kits and the instructions were gone in a matter of 30 minutes yep. because we didn't want to build whatever the box. <laughs> we just wanted that specific yep. piece that came in the kit. And then we would let our imaginations run wild. Yep. And it, it's, I love that phrase of you never told, hey, this is how, this is the end game with the toy. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. So, uh, you know, when I first launched the, the Tatra playset um, last year, mm-hmm. I sent it out without instructions. And I had some really upset parents that <laughs> didn't send it with instructions. <laughs> and so I finally got some instructions and I finally sent them out. Um, but it was, it was really a test for me because I don't want to tell anyone how to play with it. I want right. them to choose how to play with it. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of around our mission. Like the mission of the company is expression through imagination. 
Mm-hmm. So we support expression, however you do that, in whatever way. And um, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Come on, man. We're, we're, it's a conversation back and forth, back and forth. So, I forget what I was saying at that point. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll rewind. So we've, we've, we've seen when you're a little kid, you kind of created this idea or yeah. this, you know, this product, but you didn't know necessarily it was going to be a toy at the time, I'm sure. No. So what... I thought it was just a really weird kid. <laughs> I probably still am. I think we're all really, real, <laughs> really weird kids. If, if you weren't a weird kid, were you even a kid? So probably very true. <laughs> like you, like you, you weren't, you aren't going to be successful unless you're a weird kid. Probably that. That's it. Right? If you were the normal kid, that <laughs> like, is like everybody's like, oh yeah, that's 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 Will over there. We get along great. He's just some normal kid, yeah, you know, and doesn't do anything weird, to. right? Yeah. No, you were like, oh my gosh, that dude's got magnets and cardboard boxes. I still do that to myself. <laughs> I'm playing with magnets. Do you still have I'm the grown adult? <laughs> do you still have the original products that I you made? Don't have the original original. <sighs> I have the original prototype. Okay, for the Tatra place, and I have. Two or three of them okay. that are in my office space, um, just to keep in there for posterity. So still look at them. That's it. To look um, back. But it's, it's a reminder of kind of you know where I came from. Okay. Um, you know when I had the idea for it, I or kind of went back to the idea. I went to an arts arts and craft store and spent two hundred dollars on foam and glue and you know uh, the T pins, where oh. you can just like like pin them into foam. It keeps the glue together. Yes, yes, like, okay. For model makers, they use that. Um, and yeah, and I put that thing together, and then like I showed it to a couple of friends, and went, "What do you think? Am I crazy? Am I not? Is this like? Let me know. Like, if it was crazy, I don't need to do it. Um, how was the feedback? You <laughs> Did know, you get a so couple of I, it was crazy. You know, I think everybody to some extent was like, "You're crazy," mm-hmm. but I think every I could see uh, like a spark in everyone's eye. Mm-hmm. Everyone that saw it, there was some kind of spark, some kind of joy, something, especially for seeing these adults playing with it, that brought back some kind of joy, right. nostalgia. And I was like, okay. If that's there, there's something special going on. And um, then when I started playing with, um, you know, with parents and then with their kids at events, um, I would start to see the kids, you know, their the eyes would lighten up, and they, you know, they bring have so much joy from it. And I'd see the parent responding to that joy that their child had, and I realized like there's something special here mm-hmm. in what we're doing, you know. And I think part of it is really that it it's about expression. It's about no instructions. It's about just just playing and yeah. just going. But that's you a know? thing I've, you know, I don't have any kids of my own yet, but I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews and seeing them at playtime, they rarely ask what to do. They rarely ask, how does this toy work? What am I supposed to do with it? I mean, you lay down just like a box of blocks. Yeah. And for some people who may not have like that imagination side of them, they're going to sit there and be like, well, what am I supposed to do with these blocks? Yeah. Like imagine if you brought a box of blocks <laughs> into like a college classroom right. and you sat them on the desk <laughs> and just opened them up and then said yeah. to the college students, all right, go ahead. Yeah. They'd be like, what do I do? Yeah. What, what, so, what do I want to do? Yeah, I mean, it's the way you're conditioned, right? Yeah, as, as we get older, yeah. I feel we get more ingrained in task-driven mindsets. Yeah. I mean, I'm an accountant as my day job. <laughs> I've got a pretty. You're pretty. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I'm you're working in Excel, right. looking at numbers. I'm yep. task driven. Okay, I have to get this task done yep. at this certain amount of time. This is how I have to do this task. But when you're playing and you're using toys, it's well, no, you don't. Yeah, you, and that's funny. I think you know. I think some of the parents. <laughs> I mean, the playset probably wasn't the easiest to put together, guys. I'm sorry, um, at first. But uh, you know, I, I think the parents come into this a lot of times. I think there's two sides to it. One is they look at it as an adult and they're conditioned to think instructions. How do we put it together, right? right? Um, rather than the child is just going to throw it together. 
Um, but I think the other part of that too is like, you know, my, my, you know, my audience is basically, you know, 35 to 44 year old moms. Like that's, yeah. you know, that's my market. And um, they, it, <laughs> I think sometimes they just need instructions because they don't want to think about anything else. <laughs> They don't want anything else in their plate to think mm. about right then. They just so want to be able true. to put it together and make sure the child's happy. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's it. But uh, so I have instructions with it now. But I think my point with all of that is it, it's so important just to allow the children to just play yeah. and just experience um, any kind of world that they want to create. Yeah. It's so important. You know, they will I, create it how they want it. Yeah. And if they won't, they'll throw them. <laughs> if it doesn't work Probably, how they want yeah. it, they'll throw the toys. Absolutely, yeah. And like you know, with the playset, you know, we started out with I think nine themes, nine different themes. Okay. So and we and we did it through um, uh, basically asking kids what they loved, what were their favorite themes, and you know, we got unicorn and we got dinosaur and cars and trucks. And so in creating all those different themes, the entire system for the excuse me for the Tatra playset is built on the idea that you can buy a playset in a, in a theme, like Unicorn, and you can add on magnets for cars and trucks. You can add on uh, a backdrop for another theme uh, for, you know, Mermaid. Uh, so the idea is that you can build and create this world as, like, a la carte as you want. Mm. And that's kind of the joy of not having instructions, but being able to just play whatever way you want to play. Yeah, and it's... We, and especially as adults, we have too many instructions, I feel, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I know now, like, if I'll buy a set from a store, like, for to put together some tools, I want to look at the instructions. Yep. Like, I'm going to figure this out. Yep. Just because I enjoy figuring stuff out, when I can read the instructions, yeah, it'd be so much easier. Yep. But it kind of goes back to the kid mentality of, no, let me build it for what I think it should be. Well, think about what we've lost today with, um, like, having GPS. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't really know how to get around anymore. I have no idea how to get anywhere. Like... <laughs> We have no idea. I mean, you're like nine minutes from me, and I haven't like I, you know, I had to follow Google the whole way here. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I couldn't remember exactly yeah. how to get you know get over this place. But um, that's kind of, I think it's it's kind of like the way that we learn now. You know, if we like we we expect the instruction, we expect it to be given to us rather than taking the time to really think something through strategically to ask questions ourselves about what we're doing, how we're doing it, um, and how you know what the end result might be. Yeah, and what can the end result be? Yeah, you know, not what does it have to be. What can <laughs> it be? What are, what are the possibilities that we can morph this yeah. into? And so, that's an important question to ask. Yeah, I think it's an incredibly important question to ask. Uh, when I was in New York, I, I worked um, uh, uh, in theater there, and I did props. And if anybody knows props at all, in theater, I don't. if anybody does <laughs> at all, you know what it's like. It's uh, it's a very very tough job. Um, it's it's artist driven, but it's also uh, curiosity-driven, research-driven, um, but you basically, you know, somebody's going to say, hey, we need a 17th century uh, book that might be on a French um, desk, you know, in an office. Right. And they're like, we need that in two hours. And you go, uh, okay. <laughs> and one thing that really taught, like going back to like playing and put all the pieces together, um, is that you may have an end goal and you know you need to get there, but you may go that route in a bunch of different ways. Right. You know, it may not be the way that maybe that person thought it was going to be, but you can you can find the end result. It's just it may go a very different route than the way that you thought. Yeah. You know, like I may think, oh, I'm going to run down to the store and go buy something and I can like sand it, make it look old or something. Um, or I can get on Etsy and look at something. I can get on, you know, some other uh, platform and look at, you know, books that I can get shipped to me in a day. Right. You know, so anyways, I think the idea is 
that that curiosity is important and right. that asking that question is important. I think that's kind of been lost a little bit. Yeah, well, it it can be applied uh, applied for those good managers in business if mm-hmm. they're saying, "Hey, I need you to get task A, B, and C done," mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, you say, "Look, <clears throat> I need these three tasks yep. done, and this is when it needs to be done by," and then they just wash their hands yep. of it, and you're like, "I mean, you kind of had to sit there and be like, okay, what?" Like, it's uh, autonomy. All right, what yeah. what what am I supposed to do here? And mm-hmm. exactly, it's autonomy. Mm-hmm. And creating that within the employees as managers oh, yeah. is crucial, especially in you know even in a startup setting where you might have all the ideas in your head. Yeah. I know a lot of entrepreneurs like I want this to be done exactly like this. Yeah. If it's not done like this, it's yeah. wrong. And it's right. like, well, no, yeah. it's just somebody else had a different vision than you. Yeah. But it still works. It's still amazing. Yeah. The product or the end result was still what you wanted it to be. Yeah. They just. You wanted them to go right down the fork, and they went left down the fork. Yeah. And it just, for some people, it's tough to comprehend and, and to accept that willingness to give up that kind of roadmap that we want to give to mm-hmm. people. Absolutely. But yeah. yet, it's so important. Oh, it's so important. I mean, I so I. It's funny too. My my business is it's kind of a family business now. It's me and my parents who were retired, and I brought them out of retirement <laughs> and said, "Hey, do you want to help with this?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And uh, so my dad's running production. My mom's doing finance and helping out with production. And I have some friends that help out from from uh, you know time to time. Um, but, but you know, I, I found even with them as as an example of I guess employees now, you know, it's it's we've had the conversation of autonomy in the work. And I said like, look, I'm just going to give you the tasks. I'm going to give you the date. It doesn't matter how you get there. Like just let's just let's get there. Let's get to that date. If you have questions, let me know. And we'll go from there. But uh, you know, and I've even had times where um, you know, one of them will ask, like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I'll say, what do you think about that? Like, how do you feel about that? I guarantee your instinct is probably as good, if not better, than mine. Right. Because you already know the work you're doing. You know, and, it, it, and it's, it's amazing that I've seen the, that level of autonomy. Even though I'm talking about my parents. Uh, <laughs> to see that level of autonomy. Letting our parents in, do what they want to do. In, you know, it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, as as a family that's working together on a business now, it's been great to be able to see how that has made everything so much smoother. Because one thing that I look at in my business, I don't want, I want the least amount of barriers to the customer. I want the least amount of barriers to get the product out. Like Whatever we can do to remove barriers, that's what we need to do. And autonomy is, I think, number one way to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's letting them know that, hey, we need to get here, but... I mean, I had the best idea, so I'm open to it. And it's those entrepreneurs that are able to do that. Even, I mean, you're only been in business, what, a year? A year. Coming up on on a year? A year-ish. Yeah. It's a a longer story. We can hash that out. (laughs) Somewhere in there, in those, in those. We officially launched the product May 22nd, 2019. Okay. We launched the Tatra playset. So we're we're a year and uh, nine days. Yeah. So being at that level, even this, I mean, you're very early in the game. Yeah. Well, I'm, heck, I'm still early in the game. I'm (laughs) earlier than you are. I mean, you're older than me. But anyways. Having that ability that early on in the game to say, hey, yes, this is essentially my company and my baby, but I'm so open to your input mm-hmm. that you can just do whatever you want with the task so long yeah. as you get the task done. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is super important. Absolutely. So you said you've got a, a theater and a history, I mean, a theater and art major background. Mm-hmm. What, what, let's go down that hole, sure. that, that rabbit hole. <laughs> Cause I thought it was just before this getting started. You said it was just LA, but now you said New York in there. No, so we've I've got, we've got over. Do you want, do you want the, the short story? Uh, no. Oh, I mean like the, the short, we can, I don't, I don't, I don't want the short story, okay. man. Let's, 
Let's come on. Let's let's do, tease it. Let's okay. tease it. So, We're teasing from um, Louis- you're okay. ended up in Louisiana. Oh, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Wait, do you want the story? Like yes, where go. I've lived. Okay, let's do it. So I was born in Houston. Okay, my parents are originally from New Orleans. Okay, I went to uh, college at LSU. They were in the Tiger Band together, which is how they met. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, my parents moved to Wharton, Texas. Um, and I got a job there teaching music, mm-hmm. and they adopted me out of Houston. And I was three months old at the time. And I think about a couple years after that, we moved back to Baton Rouge. Okay. Then we moved to Colorado for seven years. We moved to Rhode Island for one. Right. Bear with me. Then Let's we moved. Give me a finger up. We moved back to Louisiana. All right. For, well, we, we all of us moved, all the three of us moved back to Baton Rouge um, in two, like 1999, I think. And okay. then I moved to New York in 2003. Okay, so what is your what is your age range at at O three to move back? I mean, because you're you're essentially moved away from your parents, right? Oh, gosh. Like when I when I moved to New York, how old yeah. was I? Or, I was nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, I was nineteen. I had three. This is the musical theater ones out there. I had three bucks, two bags, one me. Um, but <laughs> um, I literally had. <laughs> that's that's good. Three bucks. Do you know two that bags. reference? No, I don't. Do I'm me sorry, a favor. I do not. Google Google. <clears throat> um, just Google that. Okay, three <laughs> bucks, two bags. Google that and Sutton Foster, and, and then you know, text me after this. Gotcha. Um, so <laughs> where were we? <laughs> three <laughs> bucks, two bags, <laughs> one me. <laughs> yes. I, I literally had three bucks. I we, I went with my parents for a week uh, to meet with a, a talent manager up there. Okay, and because I was moving there for acting, and I, my, I, you know, we did the whole thing for a week and saw New York and everything. And my parents literally left me on fifty fourth and sixth. To go to the airport, and I had no job. I had no apartment. I had maybe five hundred dollars <laughs> with me. I had three. I literally had three bags. So they 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 brought you up to New York. They brought me up to New York. They, yeah. they, they they sit in the meeting at least, like for the talent manager. Or they just say, "Hey, go." What, I don't even know what they did. <laughs> I can't remember now. I'm I sure they it. did. I'm sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure she would have. I mean, well, I was nineteen, so I was old enough to meet her on my own. Yeah, I yeah, might yeah. have met her on my own actually. Yeah. Hey. All right, so we meet the talent manager, right? <laughs> Parents are just like, all right, bye. Yeah. Like, see ya. Here's yeah. like, yeah. Not, we're not even going to make sure you're moved in, checked in. No, nothing. Just, all right, you're on the, sh- yeah. So worst I had, case, you're on the street tonight right. in New York. So, <laughs> see ya. So, I, so I had a, a place to, to stay. I did okay. have a place to stay That's with good. a all friend right. for a week. Okay. okay. Uh, so you're up for a week. You're a week. Right. So I was okay. I was okay. okay. You're good. But, Golden. But <laughs> I then uh, had to find an apartment. I then had to find a job. And I actually, the second night I was there, I think probably why they were really comfortable with it was the second night I was there, I went to um, a class with a friend of mine mm. and a friend of hers had an apartment available. Okay. And it was uh, like seventy seventy five a month, uh, maid's quarters in a like four bedroom on the Upper West Side. So it was one of the bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear that story? Se- yes. Go okay. that story? So wait. Okay. Cause I don't, I've never, so I've never been to New York. A little okay. backstory about me. Yeah, I don't travel much. Okay. <laughs> Louisiana, I'm pretty much there. It's me. I'm all over Louisiana, but I've never made it up to New York side. So never yeah. I don't, the Upper West Side to me is just <laughs> like not, no idea like television, is. television, TV shows, whatever. <laughs> so yes, four bedrooms. How many bathrooms? Uh, there was one bathroom. <clears throat> one bathroom. All right. Yeah. But it was only seventy bucks, seventy five, seven seven seventy five a month. Seven hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. Ah, okay. yes. Okay, got for it. For the maids' quarters. For the maids' quarters. Yes, which is a steal for the Upper West Side. It was like really, yeah. Oh god, yeah. Exactly. Oh my god. Even now, that's a little newsflash of how uncultured I am. I mean, you can get. I mean, 
I don't know, studios price, somebody can correct me on this, but like studios can start at like 1.5 now easily. Okay. Easily. All right. Well, I guess yeah. real estate, it's you know, look, look three, three keys to real estate, location, My, location, location. I had an apartment in New York that was in Midtown and it was 24. Okay. Um, a month. And it is now like, I think 3,500. Yeah. And so not a like bad investment from yeah. then till now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways. Made quarters, four bedrooms, one bath. Yes. And so they showed me this as the made, made quarters off the kitchen. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And. Oh, you had uh, a kitchen. Okay. Oh, I had a kitchen. That's yeah. Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, and it was a, you know, a nice kitchen for New York. And uh, so I was, I, I looked at the place. And I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a, it's a, it's a small room. It's got a big window. Right. It's, you know, big enough for maybe a couch. I don't know. And I was able to actually get a couch in there. It wouldn't unfold. But a couch. Like a futon? No, like a couch. Oh, like a, okay. So you slept on a couch. So you slept on a couch. Yeah. You slept on a couch in your own place. At my own place. That's a different yeah. level. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they had uh, a chest of drawers in there. And then at the time I had TV VCR combo because, you know, that was a thing. Right. And that, um, was high, that was high class. Yeah, that was super high class. And the blackout of 2003 happened. I mm-hmm. think I'd been there maybe a month, maybe not even that long. Yeah, maybe about a month or so. And the power went out and I was I had a little radio in the shower I was taking a shower at the time and I turned the knob on the radio and then the power went out and I went oh oh god what what happened and then I, I was like okay did I like did I blow a circuit or something and then I was like what are you what are you thinking like you're an idiot like that's a battery operated radio in your shower of course you don't have a plug in anywhere and so I was like okay maybe it's something with the like the, the apartment. <laughs> so I went out to the apartment, pitch black, and it was the middle of the day, but okay. but still no lights on. And so I was like, okay, super weird. I'm gonna go walk outside. Walked outside to the front step. The whole block was out. And then of All course right. we you know we find out listening to the radio that you know the entire island is is out basically. Um, and anyway, so I had a, a somebody that lived above us, a couple floors above us, had the exact same layout. And she said, you should uh, come over. I have gas stoves. We can, we can, you know, I can cook you dinner. I was like, that's awesome. And she, we were talking about, you know, me living there, my roommates and everything. She's like, oh, that's so cool. She's like, well, where do you live? And she walked me to the back and she's, you know, going to the kitchen making stuff. And she's talking to me about my room. I'm like, yeah, it's like right in this space. And she opens the door. She's like, oh, that's really great. Wait, in this space? And she goes to pull food out of her pantry. And I realized that I was paying $7.75 a month to live on the Upper West Side in a pantry. No. Yeah. yeah. Very nice pantry, by the way. <laughs> like, they, it was easy to sell it as a maid's quarters. Like, it, it was really nice. It so maid's really quarters nice. was made up. I think it was made up. I don't think it was a real thing. I really don't. It could, it could be, like, somebody's, like, the mother-in-law suite. I don't know, but... The mother-in-law suite. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Well, but, I mean, uh, it's... The mother-in-law I don't suite. know. It, okay. it, was, it was hysterical. I hate, you know, I... Was paying seven seventy five a month, my first apartment in New York to live in a pantry. Yeah, solid. Yeah. All right. So we so we start there. I'm I'm hoping (laughs) I'm hoping we have some upward trajectory (laughs) from here on out. If not, then it's about to get very interesting. It's going to get interesting either way. Okay. So seven seventy five upper upper West Side. Yes. How was the? I mean, you're here. So how was the acting career? Obviously, obviously, to make it, you know, you're here sitting in front of me. Well, not, not necessarily. Name, so. not necessarily. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, no, it was it was good. I, I, you know, I didn't do anything big. I did some like I did a couple commercials, like low end commercials, and um, uh, some like 
random theater stuff, but that was about it. So what, what was the theater scene like in New York at the time? Um, Like, was it really big, or was it kind of just more secluded? Like, in what way? Because it already is a, a big industry. The one you were involved with, how was it in the grand scheme of things? So theater in general, I would say, um, so how can I relate this? Um, I think theater, when I was there, was very much about the actors, the creatives who were there in the theater district, who were, um, you know, the fans of the theater who were there or who came into New York to see it, you know, or the, you know, the, you know, the nerds and, and I say nerds, I, I was this nerd. Um, in uh, you know drama class or acting class, mm-hmm. who knew all the theaters, knew all the actors, knew all the the plays and everything, and I think the 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 difference between then and now is that now because of Glee and because of all these shows, the the live musicals that are being done, uh, it, it's just taken on a life of its own, and now it has this massive, massive, massive fan base across the world, right. and that's been the biggest difference. That's gone from being something so, um, I think. I don't want to say small at all, but something that's a little bit more, um, I guess, industry related rather than it being more of like this massive fandom. Yeah. So like, so like then it was, it was a little more, I guess, challenging to go there as a no, no name to really find something. Whereas oh, now absolutely. it's, you can just hop on board. You can go there anything. as a name and fail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at, Sus- I mean, Google Suzanne, Suzanne Summers. Uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but mm-hmm. Google that and I'll, I'll listen to the name of the show. Okay. Yeah, no, like, it, look, shows go up and come down in a day. I mean, you can put up a marquee and the show can never go on. I mean, look at where we are right now in COVID. I mean, you have shows that were going up or in previews or, like, I think companies in previews, and it just, it, yeah, everything's on hold. Yeah. That's that's interesting. So, so where why did why the end in New York? Yeah, so I, so I, I went to school for theater design. Okay. And then I ended up working for a scenic artist, or a scenic designer. And he was working for a theater for a while, a uh, regional theater that needed somebody to do props. Okay. And they were like, well, we're going to pay you some good money to do this. And I said, I looked at like the credits I had in school and like what I was paying per credit. And I looked at what they're going to pay me. I was like, I should go take this job. Like, <laughs> I should really just go do this. And, yeah. and so I ended up taking the job and I ended up at that regional theater for about a year, year and a half, and then I ended up working with a Broadway props coordinator. I was doing my own shows off-Broadway, and then I was uh, working with a Broadway props coordinator, and uh, I was just working on her shows that she had. So yeah. So why'd you leave? Oh, why'd I leave? That's a question. <laughs> probably answer that, right? Uh, <laughs> we, we get you loved it over there. You had a great job set up. So it's like, to me, like, all right, why leave? Um, so I, that's the reason I say all that. Yes. It's because um, I was working on a show, and I was going to a preview of, of one of the shows on Broadway, walking down Broadway mm-hmm. to Times Square. And one thing New Yorkers rarely do is they rarely look up. They're always looking ahead or looking down or like you're trying to see where you're going. Um, That's but you rarely look up at the buildings. Okay. You rarely stop and take it in. Why? Because you're always on the go. Yeah. You're going from point A to point B. That makes sense. And I happened to look up at Times Square and it had been 10 years since I moved to New York and all I ever wanted to do was work on Broadway. And I got that chance. Yeah. And I, I realized... I didn't do it in the way I thought I would, right? Right. But, it goes back to the beginning. Yeah, right. But uh, see, I'm bringing this full circle, right? Um, Love it. <laughs> so Love it. Uh, I said, I, I've, I've done everything I wanted to do. I, I got a chance to do it, and I had an amazing experience doing it. I'd learned a lot, and probably more than if I was acting, actually. I probably mm-hmm. learned more on the production side, dealing with some of these creatives. And 
I finally said, you know what? I think I'm done with New York. And that was it. I was walking down the street, and I just went, I think I'm done. And that, to me, is such a powerful conversation to have with people, Mm -hmm. is what do you do once you've reached your goal? Mm -hmm. What do you do once you've achieved your dream? I mean, because you spend this whole time Mm -hmm. kind of in the fight. Yep. You know, and you're in the rink, you're trying to do everything you can, you're dodging punches, you're throwing punches. What do you do when the fight's over mm-hmm. and you've won? Yep. You know, because essentially, like you said, you had you had done everything you wanted to do. It may not have been in the, in the way you wanted to. Yeah. You know, you may have started the boxing round and now you ended up in UFC, yeah. but you still got the battle won. Yeah. It's, you know, and so how do you know, A, when you've won the fight yep. and B, when it's okay to move forward? I mean, I think you know. I think instinctually, you just know when it's the right time. Mm-hmm. I think everybody does. And it, it, you may, you may know it instinctually, like three months before you realize it consciously. You know, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Unconsciously versus, versus consciously. But um, uh, you know, I think that everybody, to some extent, will will come to terms with any change they're going to have in their mm-hmm. life at some point. And I think, you know, I, especially during COVID and during, you know, a lot of people either being laid off, furloughed, or quitting their jobs. Uh, I think there, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who go, well, what is my passion? What do I really want to do? Like, what can I do on the side that I can pick up, you know, maybe in a couple of years? And so it's, uh, yeah. You got a lot of time to think. They've got a lot of time to think. They a lot of time to lot ask of time those questions. Think. Yeah. Yeah. And ask, especially, you know, this is probably, I don't know how many episodes in a row that we've kind of circled back to a conversation of you have to know yourself. Yeah. If you don't know yourself, you can't help others. Yeah. And you also can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't know what you really want, if you haven't taken that time to sit and reflect and say, hey, okay, what do I really want to do with my life? You know, and COVID has given, I mean, you always got to see the the brightness. At least I try to see the the goodness out of certain situations. And it's it's given us time to reflect inwards Mm -hmm. and say, okay, am I really going down the path that I want to go down? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, what is stopping me from changing? Yep. If you're laid off, what is stopping you from, you know, taking the time to really think about what other job can I go find, even if it's, you know, moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, which is what you did once you finished (laughs) and you you found your accomplishment and now you went back to the West Coast. So you looked up in Times Square, which obviously if you're a New Yorker, don't look up or you'll move. (laughs) But you did. And you said, hey, I'm I'm done. I've got what I want to do out of here. And then you moved over to L.A., right? Yes. I okay. moved back home for a little bit. Okay, so we moved. So we had a pit stop. Bit, so made a pit home. stop, saved some money, home. and then I moved out to LA. Okay. So what, what made you want... So you came home. Yep. And then what gave you kind of the spark to go back to LA? So I knew if I ever went out to LA, mm-hmm. or I knew if I ever moved anywhere from New York, it would mm-hmm. be LA. I just always knew that's the direction I would head. Why? Uh, just because it's another bigger city. There's, okay. um, you know, there's creatives out there, there's film industry. And I thought maybe I could try and get into something there. And so, yeah, so I saved up. I moved out there. And I honestly kind of took a break for about two years. I, I tried to get into some production stuff. And I actually had an offer for a, something really good. But I had to turn it down because they were like, you have to give up this job. You have to be you know, on the job like tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like, this is a great offer. But no, like, there's no one guarantee that you're going to rehire me in six months. And I know, I know I'm going to have them in six months. So yeah. I was just like, this isn't. Like this isn't yeah. Well, it's, especially for for film crew people, if if you're being hired on a <laughs> project, should have taken it. You don't. <laughs> I'd still be in LA. Do you do you, re- do you regret that decision? I do not, but I'm curious what it would have turned out like. I'm curious where my life would have gone after that. Yeah. So 
Um, anyways, okay. but uh, yeah, so I was in LA and I, I you know, tried to get into production. I ended up working retail and yeah. I just started working retail. I did Uber for about a year. So I was driving around yeah, good, LA. Good which place is, like, to be an Uber. Place to, <laughs> worst place? <laughs> well, I mean, the traffic. I mean, the only time you can really work and not stress is like, you know, like 3 a.m. to like 5 a.m. So you just worked the night shift two Basically, hours. You know, seriously, I got to a point where it was like it was so bad during the day because you're paid by the mile and the uh, uh, was it mile and time. Okay. And at least it was at that time. And you know, in LA, I mean, you can easily go three miles and have that take you 45 minutes easily. Jeez. Like at, during rush hour or you can go three miles in three minutes when it's five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So... I figured out it's better to go out at night, and that's what I did. And I literally would go out like eleven o'clock until I think I would do six o'clock like airport runs because then I can go. I would actually park. I'm telling you like this whole crazy thing. I'm loving it. I would park myself out in Pasadena, okay, because I knew that Pasadena was close enough to me, but far enough away from the airport that I can get the longest rides. So I'd go park myself in Pasadena. I'd start picking up airport rides, and I would drive all the way across uh, the entire city over to LAX and I'd drop them off. I'd come back. I would do like three rounds of that in Pasadena, come on back and yeah. And then by like eight o'clock, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I got to get off the road. <laughs> At eight in the morning? Eight in the morning, yeah. Okay, so yeah. You, oh gosh. But yeah. I mean, you, you, figured, you, you were figured out what was the best route. Oh yeah. Oh, I had, I had a chart. I printed out a chart so I no. knew what events were going on, what time they were going on, where I needed to go. So if I was, if I dropped off a ride somewhere and I knew that like, 10 o'clock this like event was gonna you know uh in downtown that i was gonna make sure i was down there at 10 15 or 10 20 and then i you, know. so you were like full-time uber I organized on this yeah was, absolutely I, like, i'm not wasting time i want to i want to make sure i make my money did you have like ice chests in the back with waters for the riders i did not i uh, the first time i did it i think the first couple weeks i had bottled water and then okay. i had some chips and stuff and I was like, nobody cares about this. Like, nobody really. Like, they're they're going to get in and put on the phones the entire like, time anyway. Nobody so. really cares. So I just, I just stopped doing it. I did have, um, you know, my multi-phone uh, charger. Gotcha. All the different types of chargers. Okay. So, you know, uh, all right. So that was, that was smart. It's saying, hey, I know you're going to come in here. You're going to play on your phone. So just charge your phone while you're, while you're doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but Uber, I'm assuming, was not the reason you moved to LA. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yeah, on Uber. Um, <laughs> So it was not the reason I moved to LA. And that was part of the reason I realized maybe I don't need to be in LA anymore. And that's when I started kind of looking at the the, the passion books, career books, like what do I want to do again? And that's when right. this whole idea came up about the toy. I love that. Yeah. So what did you... Where do you want to go with that? Well, I was going to say, what, so what did, what did you get done that? in LA outside of driving for Uber? What, say that again? What did you get? What did, so what did you do outside of Uber in LA? I worked retail. Oh, what did I get? I mean, what I like? What do I like, do with like, my did, life? Like, did you ever, no, did you ever get back into the movies? The into the uh, I, the creative I, scene. Um, so I interviewed for a couple jobs there, and I had okay. one offer, but gotcha. I had to turn that down because of the the scheduling. Okay. Um, and that that was a point too where I was like, oh well, if I was more committed to this, maybe I would have taken that. So you knew and at there was that maybe point, I wasn't. Yeah, you were kind of drifting outside yeah. of that world. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, part of the reason I left New York from working in the, that theater world versus TV and film was. You know, I saw, I, I knew how many hours I was working a week, and sometimes yeah. it was 70 hours a week. Right. I saw how long my boss worked and how much work she put into it. And I went, do I want to be 50? Do I want to be 60 and still be working 70, 80 hours a week? Yeah. It, like, it, it, am I passionate enough about this to do that? 
because I look at all the the things that she goes through and people in that field go through, and it's not the nicest stuff. Like you have a lot of grunt work that you have to do. Oh it's, my gosh, it's a lot. Yes. So um, I just realized that that probably isn't going to be the direction I go. Yeah, and that's sometimes it takes that clarity or mm-hmm. that that seeing other people in the job already. Yeah, and it's okay. That's my future. Having <laughs> <Yeah, you know? laughs> yeah. an epiphany in a theater, like I don't know. No, I see her on stage. No, actually, one of the best moments I had was uh, I was on stage for a show, and uh, you know it was during uh, during tech, and we had the director up there, the writer, we had the the star in the show, and we had you know my boss's props coordinator, lighting director, like everybody up there, and we were trying to figure out this issue about like a, a plant on the center of the table, and how we were going to like create this plant to like fit a few things that they needed, and. I had a moment where I looked around at everybody on stage and I went, you guys have like 40 Tonys between you guys. How do you, how have you never come across this issue before? How is this the first time any of you have come across this issue? Where to put a plant. <laughs> where to put a plant. Like, I didn't, I didn't get it. So um, that was also, you know, a, a thing that, you know, the, the, the magic of it all, the magic, you know, you, I, I think even um, I was watching uh, Becoming the other day with Michelle Obama and, uh, you know, she was saying like, I've been at, the you know table with the you know some of the most powerful people in the world and like nobody really knows what they're doing nobody really knows how they're going to accomplish something and i think that was a moment for me being up there going they have no idea like one of them was a costume designer who's like in her 80s and like she's been doing this for years and <laughs> she's brilliant but you know how do we how has nobody come across this like a so. cir- circling back to instructions <laughs> We don't have instructions. Do we really know what we're doing? Well, what's funny is they were then like, okay, and then we need this in two hours. And we're like, it's five o'clock. <laughs> like the, the floral district closes at five yeah. o'clock. Jeez. Yeah, it was crazy. Okay. So, so we had fun. So you, you wanted to get out of that scene. You did. And you moved to LA, which most people would think you'd move to go get back in the scene. Right. But that wasn't the route for you, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I tested it. but Yeah, you, you tested it. And that's, and that's good because... When people that don't test it, they don't ever know what it's going to be. Yeah. And then you always live with that regret mm-hmm. of, man, what would have happened? And look, that's exactly why I moved to New York when I was 19, and that's exactly why I moved to L.A. I said, if I even go for a year, yeah, two years maybe, I went. I'd rather go and know that I did it than not do it at all. Exactly. Yeah. And then you ended up back in little old Baton Rouge. Yeah, and then I was like, well, I've done all this stuff. Why not come back to Baton Rouge and move in with my parents? And you know, like, imagine me having a conversation with them in my 30s saying, hey, remember that toy I played with when I was a kid? What if I built a business around it? Like, what if I came home, took over your entire house, and turned it into a production studio? What did they say to that? Well, they were like, okay. <laughs> wow. I think it took a little bit of convincing. Okay. It took okay. a little bit of convincing, but my mom always saw, always saw this thing in my yeah. life. And I think, I think she knew it would somehow... I mean, I think mothers have that unique. Yeah, they have that unique gift yeah. that whenever they can look at their kid as a little a little child, yeah. and they see them, especially when they latch on to something so creative like yeah. that. I mean, you're using cardboard and magnets. <laughs> I, I'm I was a dumber. I couldn't do that. I mean, that's, <laughs> my creative bones are not very proficient. Let's just say that it's okay. I'm not good with math. You apparently are. So <laughs> maybe you're good with formulas. You're good with formulas. You're, Google, you're good with googling formulas. I'm good. I'm good showing. I'm good at formulas. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Let's, let's let's put it that way. My boss is watching. 
what's what's going on? Um, so yeah, so you so you just basically just uprooted your parents' life essentially and said, "Hey, <laughs> I know you're enjoying your two and y'all, your little <laughs> cousins retired, but guess who's oh. coming home?" Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a month. It was in uh, December of 2016. I I had to spend okay. those three months before that, kind of asking myself what I want to do. Right. And I came home for Christmas and Christmas Eve. I kind of had this itch for that idea for this mm-hmm. toy, and I wrote uh, a business plan for it, which is nothing like what it ended up being at all. <laughs> if, but if you, if you, you know, did you your business start... model off the first business <laughs> yeah, plan, it's probably the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, you're doing or it, it was you're just you're genius. <laughs> or you're brilliant. I want to come <laughs> on the show. If you did a business plan the first time, and that's what your business is still doing, come on the show. <laughs> Hit me up. You're doing it wrong. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's still doing it. It's probably probably. Great. They're probably brilliant. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I wrote the business plan, and I said, okay. I told my parents I'm going to go back to L.A. If I'm still thinking about this in a month, then I'll come out there, and then I'll or then I'll come back home, and then I'll, mm-hmm. you know, start exploring this. Right. I had no idea what it would be. I thought I was crazy. I'm sure they probably thought I was a little crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people still think I'm crazy, which I'm okay with. You're, because you're, I fully admit that, like, you cannot do great things without being crazy. Right. Every you really can't. is crazy. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my day is now, like, in my little, like, my new little lab that I've created, <laughs> little research lab, um, creating new things and creating new products. I, I, like, made space for myself to go just play and create and do stuff. So. Yeah, it's, you are, you're going so far against the grain, but it's working so well. Absolutely. I mean, how many, how many, what are you, mid-30s? Uh, Sure. <laughs> What are you? Actually, I'm mid thirties right now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. We don't need an exact number. Um. So you're you're for a mid thirty year old yeah. in today's society yeah. to even think about going back and living with their parents yeah. is just preposterous. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a lot of people are doing it right now. I mean, well, with student loan debt and us. all yeah. that. Yeah. But, but like it's but it, it, there's a lot of pride involved. There, in there's it. there's a lot of pride involved in you know being independent, being on your own, you yeah. know, being in your own space, mm-hmm. and then having the ability to and the humility really mm-hmm. to say hey mom dad like yep. can i move back in with yep. you because i want to chase this dream that for people who want to start a business <laughs> this toy this, this, this toy. toy this thing you know hey mom and dad yeah. can i come back and play like yeah. it wasn't even anything really tangible like you know i wasn't basing it off of anything you know like it's, something they knew about it wasn't like i'm yeah. gonna create a new delivery app like oh delivery apps well those are fun yeah, come on back. I'm sure they'll do great. Yeah. No. It's like, no, this is a toy that only you know. That only you've played. <laughs> I with. have no idea if anybody wants it. Yeah. But apparently they do. They do, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah. it's it's still having that humility to go back to your parents and live with them yeah. while building the business that I feel like a lot of people may pass up the opportunity to do that out of pride. Well, I'm sure. And yeah. out of that I'm better than that. Yeah. I can I can do more than this. You know, I live with my parents. Crazy. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people, it's fear. Absolutely. You know, a, a big part of it is pride, but a lot of Absolutely. it it can be fear as well. And that's, yeah. you know, I mean, it, like you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, people starting their own business, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I think a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. We're talking about COVID. Right. A lot of people don't get a chance to do that because they just they have so much fear. Like yeah. I can tell you, I spent like I spent the first six months when I came back building a couple of prototypes and researching patents. That's all I did for six months. I don't, I don't know. I mean, at the time, I didn't know anything about patents. I didn't know anything about trademarks. I bought books. I sat down. I printed every patent I could find out that was related to this possibly. And I just I went through everything. I read all the patents. I looked at all the artwork, everything. Um, 
and you know, even uh, I look at the the suppliers that I have now for, for some of the product that I didn't know how to source suppliers when I did that. I was terrified. I had no idea. And I knew and one thing that <laughs> I'll say this. Um, one thing that that theater taught me really well, mm-hmm. working in the theater industry <laughs> or entertainment in general, is a six pack will get you through a lot of shit. <laughs> it really will. And it'll open you need to some solve doors for you. <laughs> you want you want to solve a problem? Get a six pack. So I, I seriously, I, I to start sourcing suppliers. I went to the store. I got a six pack of beer. I sat down and I just started sending out quotes and getting responses from people. And I was like, I don't know their language, but I know if I continue to talk to them about it, I'll learn their language, right. and then I'll be able to talk with them better about the product and about what I need. Yeah, and that's what happened. And now I have suppliers that I can send a photo to, and they can produce something right away. So and it's, you wouldn't yeah. have had that if you'd have started just jumping in with the product instead yep. of doing all the research beforehand. Absolutely. It's figuring out how to, what you're, you're basically to figure out your world that you wanted to go into mm-hmm. prior to going into that world. Mm-hmm. Well, but, and I think the biggest thing is that I had a tremendous amount of fear of doing it yeah. because I didn't know anything about that world. But I knew that if I didn't step into it now, when was I going to step into it? Right. Was I going to wait three months when I actually needed it to then try and figure it out? Or could I figure it out now and then be prepared in three months? Yeah. They always say the the best time to start an investment portfolio is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And it's, you know, acting upon it now instead of acting upon it tomorrow, which you did. So in starting to kind of wind down the show, which I don't even know how long we've been at this. It's been amazing. It's like two hours now. (laughs) Oh man, my phone's dead. Anyways. (laughs) um, What are two valuable lessons you've learned throughout this path that you've been on? Oh gosh. Wow, that's a pretty big question. Um, two, say it again, two. Two lessons you've learned. Two lessons I've learned. Yeah, okay. Two lessons you've learned. Two lessons I've learned. Um, one, that my values are really important. Knowing, I talk about knowing yourself, mm-hmm. knowing yourself, knowing your values is really important because I had to actually go through learning more about my values in order to define the mission of my company. And that mission is directly related to my core values. And so I personally, like my personal values go right into my business values and it, it fulfills both ways, back and forth. Uh, that's one value. Uh, two, um, gosh. Um, two things I've learned. Um, that I, I'm, that I, I, I've done things without regret. I don't know if that's okay. the right way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have... I don't think I think I think I have like one regret, but that's it. That's it. That was not going to school initially because okay. I went to school when I was twenty-seven. Going to college? Yeah, college. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't go right when I was a teenager. I moved straight to New York. Um, I think that's probably my only regret. But other than that, where I've moved, the experiences I've had, no regrets at all. And that's why like, I come back here. Honestly, I don't even go out that much. I should go out more, but like um, you're too busy working on your craft. Well, man. it's not even that. It's like I've done so much already that. I'm comfortable just kind of doing doing my work right now. I'm happy doing that. So. It goes back to that self-image and knowing who you are. Yeah, knowing absolutely. you don't need to go out on the weekends or every day or whatnot. Absolutely. You don't need to be so involved mm-hmm. in everything. It's You can be wrapped up in yourself and what you're doing and be perfectly happy. Oh, absolutely. Well, my, I mean, my, my, my business mission and my own mission are, are, they feed each other. Yeah. They really are. Um, you know, my... 
like just to, to get into it a little bit, like my, my personal mission is to help others find their voice. And I was able to define that kind of early on. And when I looked at my, uh, my business, I realized that everything, so I had a lot of people, just real quick, I had a lot of people tell me, um, you know, early on in the business, like, oh, well, you know, what's your pain point? Like, what are you, what are you trying to solve and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to solve a problem. Like, I am just have this toy. And I had to think, okay, well, maybe there is a problem. And I said, I was a kid, I was 10 years old, and I had such a problem that I created something out of nothing. That seems like a pretty big problem. And so to me, it was about creativity and it was about expression. Mm -hmm. And so then the mission became expression through imagination. And that's everything that we do. So when we talk about like instructions or doing away with instructions, uh, you know, I, I had an interview the other day and somebody asked me about like how I approach um, that mission in the business. And I said, look, we would rather like, you know, some... Some people would put down a, a drawing and you know teach a child drawing the lines. Right. Like I'll teach the child to draw outside the lines. You know, I'd rather them if they you know should use a, a, a red ink by our standards or a red crayon. Like I want them to use a black. Like I want them to explore that there's so many other options out there. Um, and through that, it's it's their expression. And the more that they can express themselves, the more they can find their authentic selves. I love so that. perfectly tied together. I love that, man. Okay. It so, took a long time to figure out. <laughs> it took a lot of drinks to figure out. But that's okay. Yeah. Takes you're, time. You're, it's you're, a journey. It's a journey, yep. and it's being in love with the process of the yep. journey. Because oh, like absolutely. you said, once you reached your dream, yep. where are you going to do after that? Oh, you know what? I, I, th I really think the – I think one moment that really changed everything for me was mm -hmm. um, realizing that it was a journey. When I finally you know, sat down with myself and said – this is a journey you're going to go on and you're going to go on it for a really long time. Accept that it's a journey, accept that every day is going to be different. No day is going to be perfect. You're going to have highs and lows, but this is your journey, no matter what it throws at you. And that really changed everything. Like once I accepted the journey, right. nothing else mattered because it doesn't matter if it's a bad day or a good day or if yeah. things go right or wrong, whatever it, it, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's a part of the journey. Learn from it and grow and keep going. As long as you can wake up the next day and be happy to go back to it. Yes. Sometimes I'll take a couple of days off. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get a couple of six packs. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll take a couple of days off. But uh but definitely, you know, I you know, I just took two days off, which has been fantastic and I'm more excited than ever to start up again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So another question I like to ask is what do you like about Baton Rouge? I mean, you've lived in New York, you've lived in LA, <laughs> all Houston, over. all over. Yeah. What do you like about Baton Rouge? So what I really love about Baton Rouge coming back now is seeing how big the creative community has grown. Yes. Because it had, you know, it, I know it's growing in general, but I never really recognized it when I was younger, when I was here. Uh, but I just see it growing so much. And I think the support of all the creatives and like the makers and all the small businesses uh, that are trying to make Baton Rouge something, that are trying to create this creative outlet for people to, to you know, to build and create, but also to explore as consumers and uh, come view it or come buy it. I, I think that's, that's been kind of the joy of coming back has been experiencing that on so many different levels. I love museums and like, that's my, that's the way I play. Like if I, if I have a day off, I'll go to a museum, I'll go walk around. And um, when I first came back, I went to all the museums and it was great. And I, I just love seeing that kind of arts and culture here now. 
and, we're, and hopefully it continues to grow. It's, it's, it's growing, <laughs> and I love seeing it grow. I'm right yeah. there with you. I love seeing the arts yeah. and the crafts community kind of growing. Yeah. You know, I've had I've had a couple of people in the art scene here on the show. Yeah. You know, I've had Latco, mm -hmm. the comedy club. Yeah. And it's I've liked I've enjoyed watching them over the COVID kind of get creative with it all. <laughs> but and I, I look forward to the day when we can all get back into that yeah. norm that normalcy of going yeah. to stuff like that and being able to experience museums and just going yeah. in the crowds that we're used to going in yeah. and just loving the arts mm -hmm. and loving people doing their craft. Absolutely. So one final question is what can I do to help you? Ooh, wow. That's a good question, and that's like if it's by a like table, on the I'll record. Buy, I'll buy a table. Um, oh, that's a good question. I do need tables. Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting early any tables. I'll get um, you a table. <laughs> oh, you're backing out of it now. No, 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 <laughs> do you want to do you want to sponsor a couple tables? I will sponsor some tables. Like no lie, but that's that's one and done, man. Like what? That's it's easy. Like what? Um, what can I do to help? Help spread the word okay. uh, about Tatro and and not just for the sake of the company, but truly, like it is about expression through imagination. It's about helping people uh, just explore who they are and find out um, you know what is authentic about them. I I can do, and that. we happen to do that through toys. Hey, that's. <laughs> yeah. You've, That's you've, just the way we happen to do it. Future yeah. gifts locked in from my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Will. Yeah. For coming on, man. I really, yeah, I really you. enjoyed this journey of the show. Thank you very much. It, it, it was, it was a journey. It was. We went a lot of places. Yeah. yeah we went a lot. Of, gosh. Yeah. I'm a culture now. I've been on the East Coast, been on the right. West Coast. But I think you know, once we accepted the journey, then it was easier for us to go on it. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's if take away any lesson from this, accept the journey, people. <laughs> that's the that's the moral of the story tonight. And that I also get tables. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he'll he'll yeah. he'll get some tables, trust yeah. me. Um, but <laughs> for those listening and for those watching, thank you all so very much for doing that. I really appreciate it. I know that Will and everybody else that comes on the show really does as well. So for those who haven't already Go check out Tatros. Yeah, ta Tatro Handbuilt Magnetic Toys. Yeah, uh, www.tatrotoy.com. T-A-T-R-O-T-O-Y.com. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Tatrotoy. That's it. And we're going to link up their website, their social media accounts. Everything's going to be in the show notes. So if you don't find it, well, I'm going to come after you <laughs> and I'm going to make you find it. If you have any kids, any kids in your life that you need to keep creative, I'm telling you. Go check us out. Or if you, you need to get you. creative. If you Hold on. Creative. If you need to get creative. Our... our one of our taglines is for kids three to one hundred three. That that's it. what about one hundred four? What's that? What about one hundred four? The testing <laughs> up to one hundred four. <laughs> something just changed. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm Patty G, your host, the Patty G Show, signing off with Will Barrios of Tatro Toys. Thank you all, and have a great evening. I'm a simple